Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 54. It's the You and Me episode. Yes, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. Find me on Twitter, please, at A Gross Newsday. And like I said, uh, this episode, it's just going to be me and your questions as the uh, the Islanders are now uh, just a few days into their offseason after being eliminated in six games by the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, put out the call on Twitter for your questions and you responded in, in great numbers. So uh, I'll be getting to that very, very shortly. We got a lot to go through there. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you folks are uh, thinking for the off season. Uh, I think it should be a a really f- you know fun and uh, uh, unique off season. If this season was a unique one, certainly because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, then this off season off season is also going to be a very very unique one because of the flat salary cap and everybody is looking to shed salary and there are going to be a ton of trades so we'll delve into all of that in a, in a couple of seconds hope everyone is uh doing well this week i'm sure the sting of the islander season ending is still you know itching your arm like a like a bad wasp sting as it were or or something like that i'm trying to make a you know a a relevant point but look i know it's painful Uh, that that i guess is the point and uh you know maybe the the pain eases a little bit uh with time and you you can assess the big picture and uh and realize that honestly this was uh you know, uh, short of the short of the goal, because the goal each season is to win the Stanley Cup. But in a lot of ways, this was a uh, a milestone season for the Islanders, and uh, one uh, if Lou Lamarillo can have a successful off season that uh, you know uh, should be a positive towards where this organization is building towards. But uh, you know, I know right now it, it is tough. The the season ends, and uh, you know there is that big kind of empty feeling where you're not going to be seeing Islander hockey. And then let's face it, you don't know when you're going to see Islander hockey again, uh, not to be a downer. We've discussed this, uh, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson and I, uh, on previous episodes. And if you read uh, Sunday's Newsday, uh, Colin wrote a good story on, uh, you know, basically, when will we see the NHL again? And there's no answer. And uh, Gary Bettman in his pre-Stanley Cup final uh, press conference, you know, uh, admitted that, you know, December 1st uh, may be wildly optimistic and that may not be the case, even though that's what the NHL is still trying to uh, point to. And Look, I I don't have the answer because I don't think anyone has the answer right now. I'm sure there's plans A, B, C, D, and E, probably through Z uh, at this point. But I I, I don't think anyone in in the league offices has any clarity on exactly when the next season is going to be played or how long the season will be. I know Gary... Uh, Gary and crew want to play an 82 regular game season and he brought up the fact that maybe there will be no fans at the start and maybe fans back in the buildings by the end and the season can evolve but right now I, I just don't think 
anyone knows when you're going to see NHL hockey again. And, uh, you know, I, I know that sort of adds a little bit to the emptiness here. And, and look, you know, we're, we're all sports fans here, right? And, and it, it sort of hit home for me on Sunday. One reason I really miss you know, covering these Islander games and, and not having any on the docket coming up because uh, Sunday was me time. You know, uh, the, the kids are back uh, back off at their campuses and uh, my wife was taking a hike with her, you know, her, her two sisters and, uh, you know, it was just me and the couch and the TV. And, you know, 1 p.m., I'm, I'm settling in. And, you know, look, I, I don't have huge expectations for this New York Jets season or, you know, or, or any Super Bowl uh, thoughts for the New York Giants. But I, I would like to see some half-decent football. So I settle in and, and I start with the Jets. And, you know, <laughs> you know, week one, I lasted five five plays because there was a, what was it, a penalty on the kickoff return and then a incomplete, a three-yard run and an incomplete and a punt. And I said, I can't put myself through this. I can't put myself through three hours of this. But I was back for week two and, uh, you know, uh, the, the 49ers get the ball and the first play, a pitch to Raheem Mosert and he goes 80 yards for the touchdown, and I, I, I said, I, I, I no, I, I, I cannot do this, and never mind the fact that uh, my opponent in fantasy football had Raheem Mosert. I, I was just like, you know what, this is not what I'm looking forward to. This is not how I want to spend my Sunday. And then, of course, you know, the Giants had a nice comeback, but they're down 17 nothing at half, too. And you know what I did with me time? I, I, I cleaned the turtle tank. That, that was my me time. Uh, just... So, you know, no no good football on the horizon. Uh, the Mets are going to be out of it here in a, a couple of days. And, you know, we'll see how long this Yankee postseason run uh, goes. But really, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the bad things about the Islander season ending is there's not much, you know, really to look forward to on the New York sports scene, unless you think the Yankees are going to go forward and win a World Series here. We'll see about that. But again, not to be a downer, but that that was my Sunday. That was my frustrating Sunday. And, uh, you know, probably next Sunday, rather than sitting on the couch for me time, I'll just join my wife and take a hike. You know, uh, it's, it's probably better uh, for me, both mentally and physically. But uh, anyway, so that that's my story. Let's see what your story is as we get to Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. Like I said, a a ton of questions, and I've tried to, as best I can, kind of put them together in some logical order uh, so we're not bouncing all over the place. So, uh, but there, 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 there might be some duplication and some back and forth, and I'm I'm just going to dive in here. And uh, we'll go through it. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to answer everything. And as long as this goes, this goes. So, uh, you know, if you want to listen to me over two sessions, please be, please be my guest. If you, if you find uh, my voice starting to grate on you, you can hit the pause button. That, that's, that's fine with me. I get it. Um, let's start off with Stu, who says... Like many of your listeners, I've been watching, waiting, living and dying, lots of dying for a season like this for well over three decades. But I'm curious where you would rank this season amongst the others in your career. It couldn't have been easy. 
Um, and yeah, that, that, that is an understatement. Uh, it, it was not easy. Um, but, you know, look, it, it's not easy for anyone right now. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just one, of, one of you. You know, uh, I have the same fears, uh, the same concerns, both health and financial. And, you know, we're, we're all worried and we're all, you know, trepidatious, if, that, if that's a word, about what's to come. But as far as, you know, covering this season, yeah, you know, you go, I, I fly home from Calgary on March 13th. And it's sort of the same feeling as I have today is I, I don't know when I'm going to see the NHL again. Uh, you don't know if they're going to restart the season. So that was, you know, about, what, two and a half, three months before things really started to take shape. So there was a lot of uncertainty there. That 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 That's not easy, you know, not knowing which way you're going to be going in terms of your, your job. Um, the, in one way, it, it's a lot more difficult sitting at home and not being around the team, uh, you know, being beholden to these Zoom conferences and, uh, you know, only getting one or two questions in uh, per session rather than being able to conduct a real interview. Uh, that, you know, the, the relationships you make by being on the road, by being around the team, a lot of that goes out the window in this kind of scenario. Uh, on the other hand, I'm not going to lie, uh, you know, just sitting on your couch and, and watching a game. I mean, there's a lot less wear and tear on the body than, you know, those 4 a.m. wake up calls to make a 6 a.m. flight and to get to another city and then to get no sleep that night and then to fly out the next day, um, you know, eating bad hotel food night after night there's a there was a health element to this where uh, it, it's a little bit easier on the body uh <laughs> not to have that day-to-day stress but you know I would prefer it that way any day of the week. I, I want to be around the team. I want to be in the arenas. I, I want to, you know, when I say build a relationship with the players, I'm not talking about them, you know, we're we're not becoming best friends, but I at least them want them to, you know, have a comfort level with me uh, when I ha- do have to ask them questions, and that sort of goes away via Zoom. So, uh, no, it, it was not an easy season. Where would I rank this season amongst the others in my career? I mean, first of all, as I wrote in Sunday's Newsday, there is no comparison with this season. But one one season, you know, when you talk about the wear and tear and the stress, um, I, I was covering the Rangers uh, 2013-14, uh, Elaine Vigneault's first season. I mean, I had been covering the Rangers for a long time at that point. I only had one more season on the beat after that before switching over to the Devils. But the 2014 playoff run is the... uh uh, the Rangers went to the Stanley Cup final and uh, lost in five games to the Kings. That was that was a hard ride. Uh, there was a lot of work involved with that as well. Tristan Peck says uh, he's from uh, England and he says he can't view uh, the news, my Newsday stories or the Newsday output here in England, but he does enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, Tristan, uh, and says. My question is, if this season's team played last season's team in a seven-game series, who would win? <laughs> it's an interesting question. A lot of the parts are the same. I mean, you, except for you, you bring in uh, J.G. Pajot, um, and you got Varlamov instead of Leonard. I, I do think this year's team was 
you know, ultimately a better team, even though they played more inconsistently over the season. And you can say, well, the, you know, last season's Islanders team gave up the fewest goals in the NHL and that, that should make them a better team. I, I, my opinion, and again, just my opinion, is that, that this year's team with, with Pajot in there, um, you know, is probably just a, a, a little bit better. Uh, than the previous season's team, with no disrespect to what Robin Leonard did there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Will Forthman says, despite the seeding situation this year, the final eight teams were all against divisional opponents. Will there be a playoff Metro Division champions banner raised at the Coliseum next season? Uh, pretty sure the 93 team got one, too. I, you know, and, and I have not checked in uh, with, with the team on this. Uh, I would tend to say no. You know, would I be surprised if there was a banner? No, because teams love, and I'm not just talking about the Islanders, teams seem to just relish raising banners these days. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I don't see them raising a Metro Division Championship banner just based on how the playoffs were seeded. Um, yeah, they beat the, 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 the Caps um, and the Flyers. Uh, but I, I don't see that as a, a Metro Division. You know, they weren't getting out of the Metro Division bracket to do that. That's just the way the seeding worked out. So I would... I would say no um, to that one. Uh, Benny Whosoever says, what is your best guess as to when next season will start? And uh, I went over that a little bit at the beginning. And uh, again, I don't think anyone can tell you for sure. I mean, I, I guess the best guess is somewhere between Christmas and January 10th as to when you'll see NHL hockey again. But if you tell me... They're going to wait until February 1st to see whether they can uh, get fans into the buildings. That wouldn't surprise me at all because I, I just feel like there are a lot of NHL owners who uh, who really don't want to take the financial hit or want to lessen the financial hit as much as possible. And there will be a financial hit, uh, you know, not this season, not just this season and next season, but, you know, for for coming up and I think do think there's some owners in this league who are just really again to use a word trepidatious about opening buildings without a revenue stream. So uh I think they're going to hold on for the start of the season uh for as long as possible. Um and you know if that's February 1st, that's February 1st. I I don't see them you know having said that um I I don't see them playing into uh, late September like they're doing this season. I know Gary Bettman is talking about wanting to play an 82-game season, but uh, I, I just don't see... I, I, I think they want to get back to their, their, their normal cycle sooner rather than later. So if they could cap next season at the end of August 
maybe they they try and do that. Um, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, and also Benny uh, wants to know what my favorite meal at Brooks Barbecue is, and that's uh, uh, for those not in the know. Brooks Barbecue is a barbecue rib chicken joint up in Oneonta, New York. And uh, when I graduated Syracuse, my uh, my first job, my first four years out of school was up in Oneonta. Uh, working for the Daily Star up there, covering the Oneonta Yankees and Hartwick College and SUNY Oneonta uh, Athletics and eating a lot uh, of Brooks Barbecue or, or when I could afford it because I was making, you know, I don't know what less than dirt is, but that's what I was making, uh, you know, up in Oneonta. So, you know, the, the, this was a save up and, and get something type of deal. But... Uh, I, I would make two recommendations, and, and I'll start off by saying, uh, you know, I, I could make eight trips to the uh, to the buffet there just for the coleslaw alone. The coleslaw is just uh, uh, spectacular. You know, I'm drooling over the coleslaw. But I, I would make two recommendations off the menu. Either get the chicken and rib combo or the barbecue platter. And I, I don't think you're going to go wrong either way. And uh, also, uh, my, my daughter is now up at SUNY Oneonta. And, uh, you know, whenever I get up there, or, you know, and I'm, of course, talking about in the pre-COVID world, uh, you know, go up there and buy a bunch of sauces um, to bring home and, and for my cooking at home. Because you can just walk in and uh, it's like a little Cracker Barrel deal. You just go and buy what you want and, and get out. Um, see, Alexander Feltham says, impossible prediction time. Who on the current roster will be suiting up in orange and blue on opening night of the 25-26 season? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I guess my first thought is I hope I'm suiting up for the first night of the 25-26 season. Um, well, let's see. Uh, you got what? You got Ebbs, who's, uh, or not Ebbs, uh, Anders Lee, I believe his contract is, uh, uh, still good there. Uh, let me, uh, I, I'm going to say Matthew Barzell is, is still with the team. Uh, I think they're going to make an effort to uh, lock him up long-term. Uh, not specifically this year with the RFAs, but I, I, eventually they're going to lock him up, uh, you know, as a, a, for the long-term, I believe. Um, well, let's see. Jean-Gabriel Pajot will uh, be entering the final year of his deal. So will Anders Lee. And that is all you have signed. Um, I do believe Ilya Sorokin uh, will be your, uh, your franchise goalie at that point. As far as other players, you'd like to say Anthony Beauvillier is part of a core, but I, I feel like at some point Bo is going to become very attractive as a, as a trade chip. You know, I, I think the team is hopeful that either a Simon Holmstrom or an Oliver Wallstrom or a Kiefer Bellows is part of it at that point. Um, no guarantees. And, uh, you know, 25-26 is a long way away for a defenseman. So, you know, you'd like to say, you know, an Adam Pellick or Ryan Pulak 
you know, is still going to be involved at that point. But that's really a long way away. And, you know, if you're in, if they're in their mid-20s now, they're going to be pushing 30 around then. And that's, that's unfortunately past the prime for a defenseman. So I don't think you can guarantee any of the defensemen uh, for them. Look, I, I have trouble with the crystal ball for next season, let alone 25-26. But uh, I think Anders will still be around because I think that contract will be will be hard to move as it moves along. And I, I think Pajot uh, will, will still be here through the through this contract, uh, best guess. And like I said, Ilya Sorokin, uh, I think definitely uh, it will be there at that point. So, you know, uh, get back to me. Uh, with a uh, 25, uh, you know, in, in October 25, uh, chime into Island Ice Podcast, and uh, let's see where we all are at that point. Um, Lee Bob says, do you see Noah Dobson playing with the big club next season? Yes. Uh, and and Lee Bob says, whenever that is, my, my answer is yes. Uh, I, I think the kid is 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 definitely ready uh for some regular NHL action. Uh, I I thought it was a really good sign um the way he played in, in that one postseason game, you know, facing elimination. He played with a lot of poise. You know, I know he only played 12 13 minutes, but he did not look out of place and uh uh you know what? <laughs> Can I go back to the last question because I see Noah Dobson with the team in 25 26. Sorry about that. I think he is he is you know anchoring your top pair in twenty five twenty six and yeah I, I I think his uh, his graduation to full time NHL player probably does happen uh, next season um, so the, the the continuation of that question is who do you see the Islanders parting with to make room. Letty seems the most likely to be moved, but maybe they pivot to Taze after a weak postseason. I, I think, I mean, I know they really like both players. Um, I think both have, you know, significant trade value. And, uh, you know, if, if either one went this offseason, that would not be a huge shock to me. Um, maybe Taze a little bit more, just because I, I know how much, you know, the organ and I don't want to say the organization does not value Nick Letty, but he's a little bit older. Um, but Taze is an RFA, you know, is going to be on a more manageable deal. Like I said, I really could see, you know, I, I could see Scotty Mayfield being traded. I could see Nick Letty being traded. I could see Devon Taze being traded. Honestly, I could. It depends on who goes and who comes as to which other players are, are, are still around. I, I, Let's put it this way. I cannot see Ryan Pulak or Adam Pellick being moved amongst the defensemen. And other than that, I think, you know, I, I, I honestly don't really see uh, untouchables back there. Um, let's see. JC says, Barzell, Matthew Barzell is great or Matthew is Barzell is exciting. Both is not the answer. And, and, and I agree, JC. Right now, Matthew Barzell is exciting. Um, and they are working with him to become an elite, you know, if you want to substitute great for elite. Uh, I think it's the same thing. But he's, he's working towards that. He's still, you know, a work in progress. Um, you know, he has great moments, but he is not a great player yet. 
But is he exciting? Yes, he is the most exciting player on that team, and and he's building towards being great. Um, and you know, uh, the Islanders and Matthew Barzell are both hoping, and uh, I know they both have confidence that uh, they'll get there. Um, let's see. Michael uh, Guarini says, "Do you think other teams would top a one point two five million offer to Matt Martin?" Um, and did Tom Kuhnhockel get hurt in the Panther series or in practice? And I am not a hundred percent sure, uh, which way, uh, you know, we, we don't get detailed, uh, injury reports on the players and, and, you know, another thing that I, you know, that makes it harder that made this season so hard, not being around the players. I'm not watching practices. I'm not watching the morning skates. I couldn't even watch, uh, the line rushes before the games, you know, uh, so, you know, did Kunhako get hurt in the Panther series or in, or in practice? Um, I, I would tend to think it, it happened in practice and not in the Panther series. I'm not 100% certain of that. Um, but just because they, they, he did stay in the bubble uh, through the last series, and then him and Casey Sezikis were both uh, you know, sent home at the same time. So I, I, you know, I, I, I tend to think that it was a practice deal. But again, it, it really could have been either way. Um, and I'm sorry I don't have a definitive answer. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we get to talk to uh, uh, Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz as as far as a breakup day scenario, which we have not had yet. Um, do I think another team would top a $1.25 million offer to Matt Martin? That, you know, that's right around the, the price range, I, I'm thinking. You know, one year, one million, one year, anywhere between one year... And one million and one point five for Matty Martin. I could see you know anything in that range. Um, do I see another team? I think I think he's more valuable to the Islanders than possibly to another franchise. Um, but he had a heck of a postseason, and I could see some teams being. Uh, you know, interested by that. And I, I certainly saw in the New York Post uh, uh, Larry Brooks uh, colonizing about, you know, the Rangers taking a run at Matt Martin. And I'm wondering if that's maybe uh, why you're asking this question. I, I think, you know, all things being equal, Matt Martin is wants to come back to the Islanders. Um, and if he gets a reasonable offer, I, I think that's, you know, that's where his heart lies and what he would do. But, you know, money does talk. I, I I find it hard to believe anyone's going to blow the Islanders out of the water for Matt Martin, sort of like uh, you know what happened when he went up to Toronto. Um, but but funny things happen in this off season, and and one of the things, as I mentioned, is uh, this off season is going to be incredibly unpredictable. But you know, do I see Matt Martin going out to Arizona? That's a bad example because Arizona's a mess. But do I uh, do I see Matt Martin going out west? Uh, or, or, or leaving the New York area, you know, by a long shot, you know, for maybe, you know, an additional 75,000 to a hundred thousand. I don't think it's worth it to him. I, I, I really don't. Um, but you know, the, the, the off season is going to come hot and heavy very quickly. So, uh, we're going to get our answers here. Um, 
JC says, have we seen the end of the fourth line as we know it? A smart GM moves a player a year early. I do not see Martin back. Uh, Ross Johnson could easily fill that role. However, it's time to move on from this group. Have all the hits over the years caught up to them? All were hurt this year. And you're very correct. All were hurt. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck, um, Casey Sezikis a couple of times now. Um, with the with the detached retina, I believe in the playoffs, uh, which you know should should make him uh, ready to be back on the ice once training camp starts, whenever that does. Uh, and Matt Martin had a leg injury early in the year, but you know Matt, you, you just see that that trio's value when they are healthy together. Look, Casey's got one more year on his deal. Um, you know, Cal, Cal's got a little bit more, uh, he goes, he goes two more seasons. Um, what I see is, you know, them trying to bring back Matt Martin, uh, on a one-year deal to match the end of Casey's, uh, uh, contract and, and you give that line one more season. And I agree, you know, Ross Johnson, certainly has games where he looks like he could fill that role. They haven't pulled the trigger there yet. Um, and, and I, I know how much they value Matt Martin and, and, and all three guys on that line. You know, you're, you're correct that GMs can't be sentimental. Um, but I also think that, you know, unless they trade Zeker, um, who could be, you know that that's another that's another option. Uh, it, you know he's got one year left on his deal. Some team may uh, may may value that, and uh, and Lou could certainly maybe look to move on. But uh, but I do think that you know Barry and Lou look at that line sort of as as a foundation piece, uh, and I think they still look at it that way. Um, so I, I tend to think Matty Martin will be offered a one-year deal to uh, match the end of Zeker's contract. And, and, and this coming season may be the end of the fourth line as we know it. Um, once you do break up that trio, that trio is more than the sum of its parts, or however you phrase that. They're better together than they are apart. Um, you know, Clutter and Martin were okay on Pajot's wings, but I don't think those are necessarily the wings you're looking to play with uh, Pajot over an 82-game season. So, you know, if Martin is not re-signed or if one of those players is traded, then I would tend to think, you know, you probably, you know, get what you can for all three of them um, uh, as another option. Jake uh, Middaw uh, says, uh, let's see, if the fourth line gets broken up next year, do you see Barry bringing in more Johnson-Martin-style players for toughness spread? Barry has been known to take a bruiser into the top six and giving him top minutes. Uh, Tom Wilson, etc. Yes, and look, I, I know how we all feel about Tom Wilson, but there, there's no doubting that, you know, uh, beyond some of his knucklehead plays and, and physical play, he also is an incredibly skilled hockey player, whether you know you want to admit that or not. And, and I'm not quite sure that Ross Johnson, um, although I, I've gone on about how he how he's worked on his skating and his soft hands, I, I don't know that he has the skill set that Tom Wilson does. Um, and, and yes, Barry has been known to take a bruiser into the top six, and, and he did have Ross Johnson on Matthew Barzell's line for a few games uh, during the season. Uh, I don't see that over 82 games. Um, yeah, look, the Islanders are gonna, going to want, whether it's 
uh, Clutter, Zeker, and, uh, and, and Matty Martin or, uh, or other players, they are going to need someone who gets in and is pesky on the forecheck and, you know, just kind of sets a tone. And, you know, if those guys are gone, then, you know, Leo Komarov, who's still got two years left on his deal, you know, that's a, that's certainly a role that Leo is comfortable in. And, and you've also got him. So, you know, does a line with the uh, Johnson, uh, Johnson, uh, Komarov, Otto Koivula make sense to, to anyone as a fourth line? You know, it could. Sal, uh, I'm sorry, Sal, Sal Canagliaro, uh, I hope I even came close to that, Sal, um, says, uh, besides Sezikis and Pelic, uh, what other injuries did players have during the playoffs? And, you know, look, they were all beat up. I, I don't think that's any uh, secret. Um, you know, Clutter was certainly hurting, uh, I, I, even though Boychek didn't play, you know, after the head injury up until that last series. He took a bunch of shots, block shots, so I'm sure his body was uh, kind of black and blue. Uh, Matthew Barzell with his eyes, but uh, with his one eye and his cheek and, you know, but we know that Sezikis, uh, you know, what was that, Detached Retina and, and, and Adam Pellick, uh, what was that, a wrist, right? I believe that's a wrist. Other than those two, I don't think we had any definitive statements um, or, or nothing I've been told uh, about other players. And uh, again, the, the NHL went to great lengths to, you know, even uh, make the upper and lower body seem like detailed information. They, they were giving no information about anything, and there was a mandate for coaches not to talk about it. So... You know, again, until we can do the breakup day with Barry and ask him specifically or ask Lou specifically, it's really tough to answer that one. So sorry about that, Sal. And uh, uh, like I said, sorry about the last name. Um, JC says, uh, have we found out what was broken that led to Leo Komarov wearing a cage? By the way, I thought Leo had a very impressive performance in the playoffs. For someone who had a face to protect, he was one of our most physical players. Uh, which should establish trade value. And yeah, um, I'm with you on, uh, I thought Leo had a very good playoffs. And, uh, but I, I don't think the cage, you know, influences how you do or do not play. As to what was broken, I, I didn't get, you know, which specific bone. I, I do know during the phase two, he was hit in the face with a puck. Um, the fact that, you know, that was in June and was it July, August, September. He's still wearing a cage. Says maybe it was orbital bone type of thing, but that's just a, a pure guess. Um, but look, it, it certainly was serious enough. I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it was a jaw, whether he still would have been wearing a, uh, a, a cage that late. But, but maybe, you know. As far as trade value for Leo... You know, he's got two years left on his deal, and it's, uh, what, $3 million a year. As effective as he can be in the role he plays, I, I don't see another team committing $3 million to Leo Komarov given the financial landscape right now. It's, it's a salary that's, uh, you know, out of whack. Look, we all thought it was a little bit high when, when Lou signed Leo. Uh, four years at $12 million, um, we all thought that was a little bit out of whack. 
Um, and now it seems a lot out of whack. And uh, so as far as trading Leo, I, I, he's, he's not going to be the main piece in a trade. Let's put it that way. He might be an add-on to uh, make salaries match, uh, if you know what I'm saying. Um, let's see, Martian Monster says, uh, do you think Lou will try and recoup a pick? Uh, he does not have a first or a second round while also helping with the cap number in the upcoming draft via trade. Um, not impossible, but I don't, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's, you know, look, this, every organization is trying to do two things. One, one win now and two build for the future. Um, but I, I really think the Islanders are a win now team. Um, and, you know, trading an asset for a pick at this point, I don't think serves that all that well. Um, you know, and look, if you're suggesting trading away a big contract and getting back a first or a second rounder, that's not the way it's going to work this off season. Um, you're going to have to include a first or a second rounder to, to get rid of a, a big number. Um, you, you, you have to entice another team, not, you know, not, uh, you know, uh, handcuff them. So, uh, Martian Monster does have another question. Um, how soon can we expect to see the RFAs re-signed or are we all completely in the dark there? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like covering a Lou Lamarillo team. Um, Look, the RFAs could could drag on a little bit. Um, first of all, I think their agents are, are probably not going to want to establish the market unless Lou blows them out of the water with an incredible offer. Um, I think they're going to want to see where the market develops to. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough market to gauge. Um, you know, Devontae's and Ryan Pulak both have arbitration rights. So that's a bit of leverage for them uh, that they can use. Matthew Barzell does not have uh, arbitration rights, but he certainly can see if uh, you know they can attract an offer sheet, and uh, maybe that's their leverage as to getting to the deal they want. So I, I don't see the you know last season the UFAs all got done quickly, except for Anders Lee, who got done on you know July first. Um, but Jordan Everly and uh, Brock Nelson were signed before they even got to market. And uh, I, I don't see the RFAs getting re-signed before the, uh, you know, not that they go to market, but I, I don't see them being signed before the bell rings on the free agent market. Um, Pete Lynch says, do you think Lou gives one of the kids in Bridgeport a chance to be the scorer the Islanders need, or will he look for outside for help? And... The answer is yes uh, to both, I think. Uh, I, I think any, you know, Wallstrom, uh, Holmstrom, Bellows, I, and Wallstrom and uh, Holmstrom are, 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 are playing now overseas, so they should be fresh when training camp opens up, barring injury. Um, they will, training camp will be an open book. I mean, the Islanders do need to get younger. They do need to get these prospects going into the lineup. So there's going to be every chance for these guys to get into the lineup and, and be the, the quote-unquote scorer the Islanders need. At the same time, Luke cannot wait until training camp to fill that need. You know, he's got to strike uh, before training camp to, to, to look 
for help. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll make a deal. You know, if Lou doesn't like the prices and, and doesn't see a deal he likes, he won't make it. But that doesn't mean he won't be looking. I think he's going to be looking uh, real hard uh, this offseason for outside help. Um, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily see that being a hindrance to the young guys, even though that might seem counterintuitive. I, I think everybody uh, will get a chance in training camp. John said, 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 John said, um, I envision one of Bellows or Wallstrom on Pajot's line. Which one do you think makes it? And what would the odds be of both making it with one of the kids on Nelson's line and the other on Pajot's line? With Bailey and Bo playing on different lines, that would create a Leo problem. Um, yeah, uh, it, it would create a, a couple of... I, I don't want to call it a problem. I mean, I, I think the Islanders would love it if as many young prospects make the team and prove they belong there as possible. But if 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 we're going with the supposition that, you know, it, it's either Bellows or Wallstrom on Pajot's line... I'm going to say Bellows maybe has slightly better odds at the start. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go with Bellows, but, uh, you know, I, I think Oliver Wallstrom is definitely coming. Uh, as we've talked about on this pod, it's a matter of when Barry trusts him defensively. And I think playing over in Europe, you know, will will be good for him. Um and it'll be interesting. It'll be a good battle, but it won't just be between those two. But as far as, you know, on Pajot's line, I think Wallstrom would be great with Pajot, given Wallstrom's wrist shot and uh, Pajot's ability to, you know, get pucks to people. I think that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, Bellows also has a bit of a sharpshooter in him as well. Um Let's see, where are we going? JC says, who skates with Pajot next season, so each member of the third line scores 20 goals. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, Pajot, you know, if you're, if you're putting him... And, and I guess we're going with Derek Broussard not coming back, which I think is everyone's expectation. Um, I... I I, I wouldn't mind seeing Pajot getting, a, you know, as good as Bo was with with Nelson, if everyone's back, I'd like to see Pajot get a shot with Bo also. And maybe, a, you know, a Bellows or a Wallstrom. Or, you know what, Pajot wasn't bad, I, I didn't think, with Everly either. Um, and, and maybe that's, that's a, a solution as well. Um, Let's see. Uh, oh, back to Barzell. He needs at least one winger with speed like his, and you know that would also point to uh, uh, point to uh, Beauvillier. But you know, in in the long run, I, I think they're hoping uh, Simon Holmstrom uh, is that guy. I mean, they love Holmstrom's speed. You know, a plus speed. Um, and, and him and Barzell could really create problems for other teams together. Uh, going back to JC, he's rolling the dice here. He's holding the table. Uh, JC says the Islanders need more goals, uh, in parentheses, stating the obvious. Uh, how will the power play improve next year? There's no risk of taking a penalty against the Islanders. Who will teach them to zip their passes to each other like Tampa to move in the offensive zone to stop passing and shoot? And 
Look, yeah, there, there's no doubt that, you know, I, I'd say the Islanders need a big bomber on the, on the power play. They, they should have one in Ryan Pulak, who's got a big bomb. Um, doesn't get on net enough, um, which is something to work with Ryan on. Um, but that that's sort of what you need. And then, you know, you, it's really inexplicable to me because, you know, you got guys like Andrews Lee who can clean up around the... Uh, uh, around the cage, and you know Jordan Everly can do that to an extent, and uh, Josh Bailey can pass, and Matthew Barzell can skate, and you know Devontae's can state skate, Nick Letty skates. It, it seems like the pieces are there, and you know it doesn't matter whether you know they switch coaches or or what. Um, it, it just doesn't come together consistently. Consistently, and I agree, it's it's a real Achilles heel, and you saw that in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they had a overtime power play uh, in that game six against the Lightning after killing off, you know, Andy Green's four minute, and, and it look, let's face it, the, the game should have been over there. Um, you got to convert there. Um, and not only did they not convert, but but that power play was one of the the worst of the playoffs. Um, got nothing done. Um, and you know they they brought in Jim Hiller from Toronto to work the power play after you know parting ways with Scott Gomez. And you know I I, I you know when I'm around the team, I see the co- the work that the coaches put in. It's it's not that they're not working with them. Um, it, it's really. It's really baffling how they can't put it together, and and I'm thinking now, you know, they they do need to go outside and, and just get, you know, I, I I've advocated for a guy like Kyle Palmieri, who I, who I think would be fantastic for their power play, just a a hard nosed guy who's gonna shoot a lot, you know. Well, <laughs> that's what they really need because too often, you know, the you know the. the the shooting lanes get clogged up and then it gets in their head and they start looking for the perfect pass. And a lot of times the perfect pass isn't there and then the puck is out of the zone. And they got to learn, you know, I'm not trying to sound like Butch here, but they need to get the puck deep in the offensive zone and not try and carry it across the blue line all the time. I mean, it, you know, look... I, I cover hockey. I don't want to say that I'm an NHL player or even I see the game the way a scout or a coach or an ex-player sees it. I just don't know. You know, unless you're a scout or an ex-player or, you know, you don't see the game the way those guys do. But it's so clear you can't. Teams are too good at the blue line. You can't try and, you know, dipsy do through the blue line and hope it works. You got to. You got to grind it out, and and there just wasn't enough grind sometimes in the Islanders' power play. Um, I I happen to think you know having covered the Devils, having gotten to know him, uh, I think Kyle Palmieri is is a heck of a grinder who can score thirty goals and, and would look really good there. I know some uh, some of uh, you on Twitter have advocated for Mike Hoffman. I would not be you know adverse to that kind of similar numbers. And then, uh, you know, I, I guess the Hail Mary here would be, you know, somehow 
And I don't know how Lou pulls it off without really gutting his roster, uh, both of, you know, current NHL talent and, you know, future draft picks that he's already dipped into. But, you know, if the Jets ever moved on from Patrick Lane and put him up for, uh, you know, put him on the trade market, you got to be in on that. Uh, you just have to be um, and, and see what it's going to cost you and, and then wonder whether you're going to be better with or without. And if you look at it and say, this guy is going to make us that much better, uh, y- y- you go for it. Um, again, that's that's a whole nother discussion because of the uh, the salary cap implications. And, you know, we'll, we'll go down that rabbit hole maybe later. Um Isles rule. How can they sign their three RFA players, not to mention some of their UFA players, while adding top free agent offense, which they need to get to the next level, considering the cap space crunch that they are facing? Well, Isles rule, I mean, that 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 doesn't just apply to the Islanders, which I'm sure you know. That's, that's almost every NHL team right now, uh, which is why this offseason is going to be so crazy. Um... Look, I, I think they get their three RFAs done. That's the priority this, this offseason. Um, uh, some of their UFAs, uh, as I wrote, it wouldn't shock me if Matt Martin is the only UFA coming back. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I don't see Tom Kuhnhockel coming back. I, I don't see Derek Broussard coming back. Uh, I don't see Thomas Grice coming back. Uh, who am I missing here? Uh, I'm sure I'm missing someone, but you know the point is I, I think Matt Martin might be the uh, might be the only one to uh, to make his way back, and, and that's no guarantee either. Um, so you know, uh, but but you know, obviously that's why Lou is making a lot of money to make these decisions because him and his staff, Chris Lamarillo, Steve Pellegrini, you know, uh, and all of his his advisors have to have and and they will they'll have a detailed battle plan going into uh the off season but there are going to be a lot of twists and turns and uh we'll we'll have to see how he reacts to all that um rich pietras says uh what can the team realistically add to the offense at this point do they even look outside the organization a lot of the stuff i i touched on yes they look outside the organization and yes they hope uh, their 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 forward prospects come through. Uh, Michael uh, Michael asks, how do they dump Andrew Ladd's salaries? How many teams would be interested in acquiring Letty? Is there anyone on the way up, Wallstrom Dobson, that will be the savior of the power player? Do they have to go get their uh, uh, I guess player? I don't know how they dump Andrew Ladd's salary. Um, you know, will, will they try? I'm sure they will, but you know, no team can afford that this off season. As I've mentioned, with a flat cap, I mean, to get rid of Andrew Ladd's cap hit right now, Lou might have to uh, like throw in two first rounders and and a prospect to get a team to bite on that. Um, and, and still, I, I don't know if anyone would. I, I think a lot of teams would be interested in acquiring Letty. Uh, provided they can move cap space. Because um, I think Nick Letty, uh, you know, as you saw in the playoffs, is still a very plus NHL defenseman. Uh, still a wonderful skater. Good instincts, can control the puck. Um, I thought he had a good playoffs. Uh, you know, he acquitted himself very well. Um, 
Wallstrom Dobson, the savior of the power play. Um, look, both of them, when they do make this team, will be power play stalwarts. That's for sure. Um, will they be a savior? I, I still think the Islanders need to go out and get someone uh, right now. Kurt Green says, uh, for help on offense and due to cap space issues, can you see the Islanders keeping Letty and trading Taze and a forward prospect for a, for, uh, for a scoring winger? And uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I, I think Pelik and Pulak are really the two untouchables amongst the defensemen right now. I, I honestly believe that. I think anyone else on that roster can be had. Um, and, and, you know, I do think a, a good young defenseman is going to have to go for a, for a scoring winger. Let's see, Brian G says, will Luke keep the same roster and shape it with current players or possibly make a trade uh, for Johnny Goudreau or Patrick Lane? And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Lane before as someone who could hit the trade market and then you definitely have to kick the tires. Um, and write down the pros and cons. I'm not sure what the Flames, where they are with Johnny Goudreau. Um, I, I'd love, I, I think any any of the other 30 teams would love Johnny Goudreau. Uh, he's just a wonderful, fun player. Um, I don't know if either one is possible given all the constraints, but, you know, I, I certainly think Lou will be examining anyone who, who's out there on the, on the trade market. Uh, Andre Minasian, Minasian? Uh sorry, Andre, uh, says, thinking outside the box, could you see a scenario where Lou uh, signs Alex Pietrangelo and uses Pulak in a package to get the top-line scorer like Lane Ellers or Goudreau? Um, Broden contract puts Pulak value at over six million AAV. Uh, of course, other moving parts needed, and yeah, you know that's at the start of this season. Uh, I had Pulak, you know, slotted in around six million, and you know Devontae's possibly at four, four and a half. I, I'm again, I'm not exactly sure how the market is going to uh, to to work out. I, I'm not. You know, I understand what you're saying about Broden and what the Wild did, but I, I don't know that if that 100% sets Ryan Pulak's value or whether Lou can get him in uh, at a lower AAV. And by lower, I'm talking, you know, five, five and a half. Um, so you're proposing sign Alex Pietrangelo, who the Blues have told to go to the UFA market and see what's out there, and then package Pulak. Um, uh, you know, that's, it's, that is thinking outside the box. Um, but like I said, I, I really think Pulak and Pelik are the two pieces they want to keep. And that's, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily see Lou pursuing, uh, Pietrangelo like that. Um, good thought though, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not advocating for that right now um let's see uh rye says any thoughts about moving salary out in the offseason letty's been talked about since last year lad and boychuk's contracts seem immovable and buyout proof and yeah um they got problems um 
you know, Johnny B and uh, Andrew Ladd. And, you know, with no disrespect to Andrew, you know, two knee surgeries last season and uh, most of this season at Bridgeport, you know, I'm not breaking news saying Johnny Boychuk is still a much bigger part of what the Islanders are trying to do, as you saw, you know, the last two games of the playoffs. Yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the Islanders are going to have to try and move salary. Um, again, you know, if you're going to, you know, get another team to bite on a contract like that, uh, and, and Johnny Boychuk is at, you know, $6 million per for this season and next, right? Yeah, this season and next. And Andrew Ladd is, uh, where's Andrew? Uh, yeah, he's at 5.5. Oh boy, he's still got, uh, he's still got, uh, you know, three seasons left to go at 5.5. Um, look, Lou has done it before, um, granted in a different landscape, but go back and look at Lou's deal when he, uh, when he moved, uh, David Clarkson, uh, how he worked on that. And he also, uh, moved a, a rather large, what seemed like an immovable contract in Dion Phaneuf. Uh, when he was with the Maple Leafs. So Lou, Lou can do this. It, it's it, it's going to be twice as hard right now because every team has contracts like Andrew Ladd and Johnny Poichucks that they'd like to get rid of. So it, it's, you know, every GM, every GM knows what's up right now. So it, it, it's not going to be easy. Um, Pineapple Salad 4 says, is there any talk of a compliance buyout with the cap not increasing next season? And look, you know, I said long, long ago, me and Colin were talking about this on, on a podcast, I think while the season was still on pause, that there would have to be um, if it was a flat cap. And apparently Colin and I were wrong. There's There's been no talk of compliance buyouts, which is... Uh, uh, it's still a little strange to me. Um, let's see, uh, Glenn Arfjord says, I see a Letty trade in the making. Agree? Or one of the bad contracts with maybe a Bellows. I hope they see, uh, Devontae's last playoff round as a one-time th- thing. Really hope they keep him. Um, UFAs, I- I'm assuming UFA signings are maybe a trade for Palmieri. Um, Look, I think they will see what is out there uh, as far as a Nick Letty trade uh, market. Um, but I think the, the the same is true, like I said, of, of most of their defensemen. Um, and yeah, you're on the right path. To move one of the bad contracts, you're going to have to move a player that another team sees as able to step in and also very, very cheap. And that, that would be a guy like Bellows. You know, it could also be a Wallstrom. Uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to ask for Dobson. Uh, you know, I should mention Dobson uh, as, as, as a, uh, 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 you know, hands-off kind of guy, you know, on the note trade list. Should have mentioned that a long, long time ago. Uh, I, I see Pellick, Pulak, and Noah Dobson as guys that they, they would not move on from. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michael says, uh, will there be any Lou magic to get cap space? Uh, like I just said, Lou has worked magic to get cap space. When it, Whether he can do it in this landscape is is unclear. Um, will Ladd and Boychuk be mysteriously, uh, uh, I guess that's IR'd uh, for this season, 
mysteriously IR'd, uh, that will look very suspicious for sure. Uh, I mean, they can, lad, they can say his knees are, are not up to snuff and, you know, look, Johnny, I know Johnny wants to play and he was for the most part healthy, uh, up until he wasn't this season, although you can say that for every player, but, um, I, I don't know if, uh, Johnny's going to be mysteriously IR'd for, for this season. Um, those guys, do they clear waivers and get assigned to Bridgeport? Um, you know, uh, I'm sure that's a, a possibility there. Um, John said, said <laughs> again, John said, Lad will be buried in the AHL to save cap space, but do you think they that to create cap space, they would send down a guy like Leo or Johnny B? I don't think they would, but it would help solve some of the cap crunch. And Look, I, I, I think, like I said, everything is on the table right now. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just looking at the contracts right now, not the players. And Leo at, at three and, and Johnny at six, you know, they're, they're, their contracts make their roster spots a little bit tenuous, if you know what I mean. Let's see, PA Sparky says, do you think Taze is signed and moved in the offseason? He had a rough playoff. Luke could trade him for scoring depth. Signed Green for one year and Dobson plays next season. And, you know, that again, that is that is not an out-of-the-realm possibility. You know, we're, we're all, I, I mentioned that I thought Matt Martin would be the only UFA back. But if there's another UFA that I, I think has a chance of coming back, it is Andy Green. Although it, it can't be, you know, in a spot where it's hindering Noah Dobson's development for next year. Noah Noah does have to play at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I know what Lou thinks of Andy and I know Andy you know, certainly enjoyed his time with the Islanders, wants to be in this area, doesn't want to move his family. So really, you know, Andy's looking at, uh, you know, here or or, or the Rangers or, or back to the Devils or, or the Flyers, really. I think those would be where Andy would like to play the most, you know, so he could maintain his home uh, in Jersey. But yeah, you know, uh, signing and trading Taze, I, I, that, that would not surprise me either. L.I. Strong says, what do you think our chances are of acquiring Lane, and what would that package look like? He's exactly what we need, um, and I can see Barry helping him reach his true potential as a two-way player. Well, what would that look like? Uh, I would say, you know, whatever first-round picks Lou can scrape up, one or two, or maybe a one and a two, and then you're you're throwing in you know probably a, a Wallstrom or a Holmstrom uh, or a Bellows, and then you might have to throw in a player. You know, I, I'm sure the the Jets need defense, so you you're, you're throwing in one of the defensemen as well. Uh, it would be a big package, um, but yeah, I mean Lane. Lane, you know, for for what he could bring offensively into the power play would look really good here. And look, let's face it, that's what Lou was trying to do when he went hard after Artemi Panarin last offseason. Melissa says, who of the RFAs and UFAs stays and who do you think is leaving? Any trades you think are possible? Uh, And what was your favorite moment of the season? Um... You know, uh, we've gone over the RFAs and the UFAs, um, and we've gone over trades. I'll go to what was my favorite moment of the season. If you're talking about 
Uh, <laughs> if you're talking about hockey, um, I, I don't want to say the playoff run because I, I just wasn't there with the team. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, what comes to mind is those back-to-back overtime wins against the Penguins. Um, it was a, the, to get to 14 straight games with a point and then 15 straight games. Brock Nelson has the overtime winner in both. Um, you know, as far as games that I was at, those were incredible. And then I, I sort of wrote about this in my Sunday column. It was not my favorite moment, but for some reason it just, it was a moment that just sums up everything about, you know, being a sports writer and the uncertainty of never having, you know, you're on call 24-7 and never really knowing if, you know, the, the, the relaxation time you've carved out for yourself is going to come through. I, I wrote about, you know, I, we just landed or I just landed in Phoenix from Las Vegas, went to my hotel room, wrote a couple of stories. It was like around, I don't know, two, three o'clock local time. I was exhausted, um, but it's a beautiful day. I don't want to just sit in my hotel room. So I take the car and I go out to the local, you know, botanical gardens and they just have miles and acres and acres of cacti because what else do you have in the desert, right? So I'm just, you know, wandering for an hour or so just looking at cacti and I'd wandered pretty deep into the, uh, into the botanical garden when I got a text that the Islanders had acquired Andy Green and that there was going to be a conference call in a half hour. So now I'm just hauling butt trying to find my car and, you know, the the, the paths don't make sense. I keep getting turned around in circles. I can't find my car. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm going to miss this uh, conference call. And yet I'm amongst these beautiful cacti and I should have been enjoying the moment and I couldn't. And, and that sort of sums up everything about, you know, what life is sometimes like on the road. Um, Stars Bandwagon says, uh, who do you think Lou moves this offseason? Boy, Chuck or Letty? Um, and if they do move one of them, do you see re-signing Green? And yeah, I, I think Letty, as I've mentioned, is is probably, I don't want to say easier, but the more likely candidate to, to attract a trade offer. And yeah, I, I could see if one of those big guys goes, uh, the, the odds of Green re-signing go way, way up. Um, see, again, from, the, uh, from JC says, uh, Islanders have to move large salaries. Islanders have to bring in younger players to move ladder. Boychuk, what else would they have to include? I think Letty's performance was so strong and only being 29, which is old for a defenseman, unfortunately. Uh, that's me talking. We'll allow if they want them to to move Nick and get some return. And yeah, I, I agree that Nick has some trade value. I, I absolutely believe that. Um, but again, to, to move, as I've mentioned, ladder or Boychuk, you're going to have to include draft picks, high draft picks, and prospects. And how palatable is that, um, you know, to you? Steve Stars bandwagon, bandwagoner also says, could you see Lad getting moved? I, I really have a hard time seeing that. Let's see. I'm going to finish up with Matt, two-parter. Uh, I try to keep it positive, but the NHL is a business, and the business is to win the cup. Was there a sense from any player that they're moving on? 
Uh, with the uncertainty of next season's format, would a shortened season benefit the Islanders? Will the Islander will the NHL keep the 2014 playoff until a full normal season can be played? What reasonable trades movements do you see happening? I think Matt Martin will take a very team friendly deal to retire as an Islander. What do you think? Who? Uh, let's see. Um, yes, uh, the NHL is a business. Uh, was there a sense from any player that they're moving on? Um, the two players you would have gotten that sense from, um, for the most part, would have been Thomas Grice, who, you know, with Ilya Sorokin here and, and Semyon Varlamov with three more years on his deal. I mean, it's no secret that I think Thomas knows his time with the Islanders is over, but... You know, whenever I tried to engage him in that kind of talk, it, it went nowhere. Let's face it, you know, I haven't been around these guys, you know, since March 11th uh, practice in Calgary. That was the last time I saw any of these guys face to face. You know, I have not had one-on-one chats with these guys about whether they're moving on or not. Um, the other guy would be Andy Green, obviously on a UFA one-year deal. And, uh, you know, a crowded backfield amongst the Islanders defensemen. But, you know, all Andy told me uh, when I asked him was that he was definitely playing next season. But, you know, he was hoping it was going to work out with the Islanders. He likes it here. Um, uh, Would a shortened season benefit the Islanders? I I guess you would say yes, just because... uh, you know, if you look at this season, you know, Barry's team started really well and then kind of, you know, the injuries caught up to them. So maybe, uh, but then, you know, then you maybe have the injuries in the playoffs and they get eliminated quickly. So that's sort of a tough question to answer. Will the NHL keep the 2014 playoffs until a full normal season can be played? I think that is... Uh, that's more likely, although, you know, the talk was that this was a one-time only thing at 24 teams. I, I think if they only get in 48 games next season or whatever, then yeah, you could see the qualifying round uh, for sure again next season. Um, uh, and that is it. I am pushing the down button and there are no more questions. And I thank you all for submitting them. And I thank you all for uh, sticking with us and sticking with me uh, during uh, the Islander season. And uh, this is far from the end. We got a whole, like I said, wacky off season coming up. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we get some, uh, breakup day action, breakup days action, uh, and I can report back to you on the next episode of Island Ice about that. Would like to post something, uh, uh, as soon as that happens. But until then, uh, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Find everything I write or, uh, my, my Newsday teammates write at newsday.com backslash sports. You can also find all the Island Ice podcasts there. And until the next time we talk, Stay healthy, everyone.